Thank you so much for joining us today on YouTube. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button down below so you can stay up to date with all that Church on the Hill has going on. If you haven't already, also follow us on social media, either Instagram or Facebook, both Church on the Hill and our senior pastor, Pastor Adam McKay. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the message. We're starting a new series today called The God of Miracles. The God of Miracles. I have a... Uh, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor for the next few weeks. I'm going to ask you to help me till the ground here in our, in our community. Till the ground, back to the place, and retill some areas where we come back to a place where we really trust the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God who wants to do above and beyond anything we could ever think or imagine, to where we begin to expect live in, desire, walk in the favor that God has for us and allow him to be the God of miracles. I think so many times uh, we just go through our daily life and we forget and we don't pull on, tug on that the God who saved you is the God who not only wants to transform today but tomorrow and the day thereafter and to see the supernatural work. Everything we see in Scripture as God engaged with people, with humanity, it was miraculous. Every one of those encounters, every moment throughout Scripture is something miraculous happening. And I think sometimes what happens to us is we just kind of lose sight of that. And so I, help, I want you to help me retell those. And so we've got a key Scripture for the entire series. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10 and verse 27. Mark chapter 10 and verse 27. It says, And but Jesus looked at them and said... With men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Will you say that with me? For with God, all things are possible. One more time. For with God, all things are possible. Now, to put that in context, what has just transpired is Jesus has had this engagement with a rich, young ruler. A young man comes to him. He's very wealthy. He's very important. He's very hot on social media and, uh, and, and literally says to Jesus, Dear, great teacher, what must I do to be justified before the Lord? And Jesus told him, well, obey the commands. He said, I've done every one of them. He said, okay, well, then go sell everything. Come follow me. And the Bible says that that young man went away sad and frustrated. And when the disciples saw that, they said, Jesus, what happened here? And he said, listen, it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, and then they got all upset. And they said, well, what do I Wow, then can anyone really be saved? Well, I mean, what, what, what's really going on here? What Jesus is actually dealing with is our love for everything outside of God the Father. What he's actually dealing with is lay it all down, come follow the, the Father. It has nothing to do with whether or not he blesses us and whether you have a nice home or nice car, you work hard or whatever. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about the loves of our life. And when he looked that into that young man's eyes and he said, nope, nope, I'd rather keep all these things. I like the fact that I am, my identity is wrapped in my wealth, wrapped in my, in, in my leadership gift. And he said, the Bible says he went away sad. And then Jesus turns to all of them when they begin to get discouraged and say, well, who can be saved? He goes, listen, it may be impossible with men, but all things are possible with God. 
God can do what no one else can do. God can fix what no one else can fix. God can transform what no one else can transform. I want you to know we are a multi. How can you have a multiracial church in the midst of all the difficulty we're having right now? Because it may be impossible with men, but with God, it's possible. All things are possible. What may be impossible? How is your kid going to get educated during this moment? And you're a teacher trying to make all this thing work, and it doesn't seem to be working. It may be impossible with men, but with God, all things are possible. We say, well, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. I don't really know what we're going to do right now. It may be impossible with men, but with God, it's always, always possible. But do you leave that? Say yes. yes. Come on, you can do better than that. Say yes. yes. So as we dive in today, we're going to have a multiple sets of teachings and sessions. And today's session is that God, he can actually fix our brokenness. He can fix our brokenness. So that's the subtitle of today's teaching. He can fix our brokenness. He is the God of miracles who can fix our brokenness. Look at what Psalms 34 and 18 says. It says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. I don't know about you, but I've been brokenhearted in times past. I've been crushed in spirit. But I want you to know, if you're brokenhearted, if you're crushed in spirit, the Bible says that he is close to you. He comes to you. He can fix you. You see, we live in an era where when something's broken, we throw it away. It's, it's, it, you know, we don't even use utensils anymore. Most of our kids don't even know how to use a fork and knife. Why? Because what, we eat fast food so much, and what do we do? We throw it away. We take that little hamburger or whatever, and we take that trash, we throw it away, and that kind of thing. We don't, when something's broken, we just go get us another one. We trade in iPhone 4 for a 5 to a 6 to a 7 to a 10 to a 11. We just keep throwing them out, throwing them out, getting new things. But I want you to know the God that we serve, he actually takes the broken things, he repairs them, he fixes them, and he makes them beautiful again. Is that not your life? Is that not my life? Somebody say amen. And I, I love, I don't know about you, but I love to watch these fixer-upper shows. Have you ever watched any of those on cable? I love those fixer You know, you, they come into this place. It's been destroyed. This, somebody's lived in this house. They've not taken care of it. And you get these guys and gals in there, and they start dreaming, we can do this and we can do that. And it sounds so beautiful. And they, sometimes they have some kind of little drawings and designs, and you're watching on TV, and like, that's going to be amazing. And then they get into it, and they start ripping stuff out, and they start going for it. And, man, you're looking at it going, they'll never make this work. And then they pull something loose, and there's black mold. And they're like, oh, it's another $10,000. And back and forth and back and forth and by the end of the show it's totally fixed it's gorgeous and you're sitting there going I can do the same thing I can do that why because it's so inspiring to see something broken get fixed it's so amazing and miraculous to see something that everyone else said it's not valuable it will never be worth anything again and then all of a sudden someone bring value to that and fix that I want you to know that God can fix what's broken in mind in your life he is the God of miracles do you believe that say yes come on do you really believe it say yes and I want to pay attention just for a moment and teach you a little bit about how he is the God who fixes our brokenness. And I want to look at the storyline of a man named Zacchaeus. Everybody ever heard that, that name before? Zacchaeus. Some of you went to Sunday school back in the day. You were back in kids' ministry, and we'd sing that little song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man. I hated that song. Short people song. Go about short people like that. Luke chapter 19. Let's look at it for just a little bit. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 and verse 2 says, A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. Everybody say he's got money. He's got some money. 
Verse 3. And he wanted to see who Jesus was because Jesus had come into Jericho. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And since Jesus was coming that way. Verse 5. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. Or I'm going to your house today. So he's verse 6. He came. Y'all better be laughing online because I'm looking a fool right now. It's all for y'all. Uh, verse 6. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. Verse 7. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. He's gone to be a guest of a sinner. In verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. In verse 9, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Everybody say, that's a miracle. Come on, you can do better than everybody say, that's a miracle. That don't make any sense. That, this is a miracle moment like nobody's business. And let me break it down for you for just a moment. First and foremost, the Bible says that this man Zacchaeus... He is a tax collector. Now, let me explain to you the vileness of who this man is just by way of his position, just by way of him even accepting this position. So what was transpiring in biblical times here is that the Jews had basically been taken over by everyone else by the Romans. But the Romans allowed them to keep their society intact. But what they would then do is they would tax them. They would tax them so they could build their roads. They would tax them so that they could have, you know, the soldiers there for protection and things like that. They would tax them. And the Jews hated being taxed like that. They hated being overtaxed. But the Romans were brilliant. Instead of having a Roman person come to your door and collect your taxes, what they did was they hired a Jewish person to collect taxes from Jewish people. Oh, but can you imagine the type of sellout personality you had to be to be able to take that job? Oh, this person was hated. You can't get more hated than this man right here. In fact, they, they, they saw prostitutes and tax collectors on the same level of wickedness. And they actually, the Jews actually put prostitutes higher than, than uh, tax collectors because prostitutes many times had no other source of income. And so they were kind of almost uh, without any ability to do anything else, had to actually do this and get into prostitution just to survive. Tax collectors, on the other hand, had taken the position out of their greed. And then what they would do is they would have a certain amount of tax they were supposed to collect from everyone. And then they did not govern them. The Romans did not govern the tax collectors as to how much they took extra for themselves. And so what would happen was these guys would gouge you. And some of you are feeling that every time you go to pay your taxes, you're feeling the same animosity towards that group we call the IRS. These guys right here are hated in biblical times because they're Jewish people collecting taxes from Jewish people to give to the Romans, and then they are going above and beyond and taking all they want. And then you think about even what we deal with in our society today with all the politics and all the manipulation, all the padded pockets and all the little bribery stuff, multiply that in a way that's unthinkable. And so you've got a guy who's going around, and he'll take, he'll take uh, a little less from this guy over here because they got a little side gig going over here. He's not pushing this guy. This guy doesn't get the contract, and this one does. Why? Because he's the tax collector and he can make that decision and then what the Romans did was gave them their own group of soldiers so if you didn't do what they wanted you to do they could come in and take everything from you 
In fact, many people were indebted and in prison because they didn't pay their taxes or because the tax collector said they didn't pay their taxes and had put them in jail just maybe because they broke up with his daughter. Maybe just because they bumped his car in the parking lot. This is who Zacchaeus is. And Zacchaeus, if you will, is extremely hated. And they all consider him vile, and there's no way he'll ever go to heaven. That's the concept of who this man is. As Jesus comes into town, Zacchaeus is not just a tax collector. The Bible calls him a chief tax collector. And then it says he's very wealthy. So he's made a lot of money being manipulative, and he's done a lot of wickedness, if you will. And no one cares a flying flip about him because as Jesus comes into town, all the crowds gather, and this little short guy's trying, and no one's given him an ounce to get past them. They don't care right now. We don't care who you are today on the street. You just like everybody else, buddy. And they're not letting him pass. So he runs ahead of the crowds, and he climbs up in a tree just to see Jesus. Just to engage with Jesus. And as Jesus passed by, he sees this. Think about this guy. He is wealthy. He is your local mob boss, guys. This is the dude that none of us like. This is the guy that none of us can stand. And as Jesus passes by, there's the local mob boss just trying to check out what's going on. And who is this Jesus? And Jesus stops to the horror of everyone around and says, Zacchaeus, calls him by name. How does he know his name? Because he's the God of miracles. Zacchaeus, dude, come down. I'm going to, I want to go to your house. You want to do what? I want to go to your house. And everyone begins to go, whoa, what is he doing? How can he be the Messiah? Does he not know how vile? Doesn't he know this is the dude who's been doing this dirty? Doesn't he know this is the guy that's been robbing all of us? Doesn't he know that this guy, what he is and what he stands for? And Jesus steps past all of that and says, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house. Zacchaeus takes him to his home. And the Bible does this crazy thing sometimes. In verse 7, it says, and all the people saw this and they began to mutter. Verse 7, and he, he is going to be the, house of the guest of a sinner. Verse 8 goes straight into, as they're sitting there, verse 7 and verse 8 doesn't cover, it like skips they went inside. I would imagine Zacchaeus ran ahead, got all of his servants in order, got all of them, you know, all the food going and telling everybody what to do, got the house all straight. Jesus comes in with his disciples and a couple other guests, I would imagine. And, and now they're sitting there and they're probably talking. And who knows what Jesus is asking? Who knows what Jesus has told him? The Bible skips all that and just goes straight to verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up. What did he stood up? Where did he stand up? From the table. They've been sitting there eating. And it just skips that. It just goes straight to, he stands up and he goes, Jesus, I am going to give away half of what I got to the poor. You mess with a greedy person's money, something's happening. And he says, not only that, but anybody I've stolen from, I will give back to four times as much. You know, everybody in the room was like, wait, here he goes, baby. Payday, cha-ching. Because he's stolen from everybody. In this moment, revival has happened. Can you imagine the people? Can you imagine the people that work for him? All his employees are like, <coughs> Zacchaeus is talking about giving away all that he's stolen, returning four times back as much from anyone he's done dirty. Can you imagine that? Everybody say, that's a miracle. That's, a miracle. that's the God that we serve. The God that we can serve can take a tax collector, a wicked person, and turn them around at one dinner setting. 
in one moment. We don't know what Jesus talked to him about, but whatever was said, whatever transpired, it shook this man. And so I want you to understand, no matter what you're going through, no matter what wickedness is in you, no matter what you still struggle with, he can fix your brokenness because he is the God of miracles. You may not be able to do it. Therapists may not have been able to do it. Counselors may not have been able to help you get there. But I promise you what's impossible with everybody else is possible with God. Are you there? Say yes. Do you believe that? Say yes. So I want to give you a couple steps that I saw that transpired in Zacchaeus' lives. That in Zacchaeus's life that brought this miracle process into being for him. All right, will you work that with me for just a moment? Step one, the first thing we saw Zacchaeus do is that he went looking for Jesus. He went looking for Jesus. This man recognizes that he's got emptiness on the inside. Now, let me tell you why this is so critical. This man has grown up in church. Do you understand? This man has the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. He's a Jew. He knows the Torah. Let me tell you something. He's even given money to church. That's a good way to say in social standings. He's given good money to the church so that he can have a, a place to, to a, 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 you know, a prominence. That way he can have good business dealings and things like that. He goes looking for Jesus. Why? Because in all of that religion, in all of that wickedness that's inside of him that religion hasn't fixed, he knows that something's missing. I promise you. Many of us come to the gathering of believers. Some of you are online with us right now. Some of you come to services right now because you know something's missing. I got to have something. I don't know about you. I don't want to go sit in services. I, want, I don't want to hear preachers. I want to meet with God. I want God to fix me. I'm grateful for the preacher. I'm grateful for the worship team. I'm so grateful we got a building. I'm so grateful we're able to broadcast live to you. But I tell you, at the end of the day, all of that is just a means to an end. I need Jesus to do miracles in me, to transform me. I, the brokenness that this world has created in me and dead religion over years have created in me I need him to fix me are you in the same boat say yes the first thing you got to do is go looking for Jesus Zacchaeus I'm gonna find who is this guy I'm hearing stuff people's lives are being transformed I've got to go find out about this thing that takes humility you think about the guys that you and I have interacted with over in, in, in days past talk about they went to this Bible school and knew this and knew that but they stopped going looking after Jesus. They stopped looking for Jesus. And now they're all dried up spiritually. They're angry. They're mean. Why? Because they stopped looking for Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 7, if you seek him, you will find him. I don't know what brokenness has attached to your life, but I can tell you this. If you seek him, you will find him. Here's the second thing that we see Zacchaeus did, and that is he said yes. Number two, he said yes when Jesus reached out to him. He said, yes. I want you to picture yourself for just a moment. I want you to picture that person that you know of, that mob boss, that, that dude in the neighborhood back in the day, the drug dealing dude who ran the block. I mean, you think about those type of personalities. That, that person at your school that uh, thought that they were the, the cat's meow, whatever it was growing up or however you live right now, that's the person up in the tree, humble, humiliated, if you will. Jesus speaks to Zacchaeus and he says, I got to go to your house. And Zacchaeus says, yes. He says, yes, Lord, let's do this. Yes, Lord. How many excuses could he have made in that moment? Oh, maybe uh, take a rain check on that. You know, maybe tomorrow, the next day. You know how we do when we really don't want to engage in something? You know, hey, let's get, let, yeah, call me about that. Let's get together. Yeah, yeah, hit me up on that. Yeah, let's do that. We have no desire to do that. That's why we say those things. But he said, yes, right now, let's go. 
He said yes. How many times do you and I say no when Jesus is trying to come to our house? How many times do you and I say, "Ah, (laughs) let's deal with that later, Jesus. I don't want you to fix my brokenness right now. I'm okay with what I got right now. How many times does Jesus say, right now, let me add it. Right now, let me touch that. Right now, let me have access to that. We said, no. (laughs) Oh, maybe later. Okay, yeah, okay, maybe. You know what? At the first of the year, I'm going to start something new in my life. At the first of the year, I'm going to make some New Year's resolution. We'll change it then, Lord. You don't have to touch that right now. Right now, while I'm driving in traffic and you want to deal with that anger that's coming up in me, we don't need to touch that right now. Let's, let, me say, let me say later or maybe not right now. And immediately he says, yes, Lord. See, Romans 5 and 8 says it like this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love for us was there before we ever even loved him. He loved us. He sent his only begotten son to die for us before we ever even knew he was there, before we ever even cared. In front of everyone, Zacchaeus says yes. Have you ever said yes to Jesus publicly? In front of everybody, he says yes. Have you ever said uh, yes to Jesus publicly? Oh, it's one thing to go to church where all the Christians are at, but does the people that work with you know that you said yes to Jesus? Does your social media reflect that you said yes to Jesus? Are you just one of those kind of folks that like, you know, oh, yeah, well, I'm trying to be a good person. And that's what everybody in the community thinks of you. Or do they know that you're the ones that's saying, yes, yes, I am broken and I need Jesus and I will follow him. Yes, come to my house. And here's the third big piece that we see that, that Zacchaeus did that brought Jesus into his brokenness. And that is Zacchaeus allowed Jesus into his private space. He allowed Jesus into his private space. See, he grew up in church. He knew churchy. He knew religion. He knew how to play the game. But for the first time in his life, he let Jesus into his private space. He let him into his home. Think about the culture of the time. Think about who you let in your home at the time. They didn't have these amazing security systems. Anybody you let in your home, that was pretty vulnerable. You were being vulnerable. They could see your defenses, their lack thereof. They, they, they would be able to swipe something, and, and you wouldn't even really know it, maybe. Very vulnerable. So many times, I engage with people that go to church that have never truly let Jesus into those private places of their life. Never truly let him touch those things that are hidden behind the scenes, that are kind of covered over, if you will. Never really let him do that. I, my mom's uh, uncle, my great-uncle, uh, he's gone, gone on, uh, but <laughs> Uncle Bo. And Uncle Bo, when I was a kid, I've told you this before, Uncle Bo was the wealthy family member. You know, when you go to the family reunion, and he would drive up in these exotic cars, and he was the youngest millionaire and, uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where, where we're from originally and uh, in the 80s, and uh, made it big in oil and, and just business and so forth and so on. My Uncle Bo went to church every Sunday. Every Sunday, I think it was First Pres that he went to, or either First Baptist, one of the one of the two. But my uncle Bo never served the Lord. My uncle Bo had side side things going with other women, cheating on his wife. My, none of his kids really respected him. Really, my uncle Bo was a very successful businessman, but he went to church because it was a good business move, so he could get with the other big name people in the city, and he would engage with them. And that way he could have a way of uh, resourcing the plans that he had, the business things, uh, deals that he had going by meeting and networking real well at the big church in downtown. My Uncle Bo ended up years, as he got older, he ended up uh, 
in, in, in federal prison because he tax evasion, I believe it was. And from federal prison, he wrote me a letter. And he said, Adam, you chose the better way. Can you believe that? Adam, you chose the better way. See, he'd grown up around church, but he never let Jesus have those private places of his heart. He never let Jesus fix him. When we first became Christian, it was amazing how Mimi and Pop and I, and we all came to the Lord. It's phenomenal. And man, I'll tell you, we ended up after a couple years in this amazing charismatic church we went to a denominational church we didn't know that you could you could have power we didn't know that you could you could have this beautiful engagement with the holy spirit and and uh, and we started going to this church and and we man it, it, we were on fire i mean people were getting saved me me and pop were bringing all the neighbors and they were getting saved and it was phenomenal and this young pastor was fiery and man the power of god would flow and we would lay hands on sick people and it would recover it was phenomenal and we were into this church about a year or so maybe i don't know Mimi can correct my details but and and when when all of a sudden, all the different people that we were bringing had never been to church, never knew Jesus. We were bringing them, and the pastor started counseling some of the women, some of the married women who were having problems. They were brand new Christian. Started counseling. We found out in the midst of all this that he was actually having sexual relationships with these ladies. And it, it, it threw us off. We were like, how, how can this? We had just gotten saved. We didn't, how, do you, how do you live that way? We, when you, when you, we used to be that. We're not that anymore. We're, we're redeemed in God, and it threw us off. and almost destroyed us. I mean, just threw us, because these were people that Mimi and Pop had gotten saved and brought them to our church, and, and here this pastor is doing this. And I never forget thinking about that. How could this happen? I'll tell you how this happened. Because this was a good man. It's a good guy. This pastor was a good man. He, went to, he, he was second-generation pastor. His mom and his dad had been a pastor. He went to, grew up in church. He went to Christian school, went to Bible school. But at the end of the day, he had a dark place inside of him that he never let Jesus touch. He never let Jesus fix it. He never let Jesus even look at it. And he played the part. And he sat up in the tree, and he looked good. And he said publicly, yes, I love the Lord. But in the private places of the brokenness of who he was, he never let Jesus in that space when Zacchaeus lets Jesus into that space, something supernatural happens. It just, something shakes him. And what was broken becomes fixed because what's impossible with men is possible with God. All things are possible. He can do miracles inside of me and you if we'll just let him, but we got to let him into that space. Zacchaeus let him into that personal private space. He said, Jesus, come on, come to my house, man. Come to that place where only, where only I'm comfortable. Come to that place where they don't know me as, the, as who I project out in public but that place of my brokenness come into that space and friend can I tell you something you're going to be a miserable churchgoer until you let Jesus come into that private space and fix that anger that's still inside you that perversion that's still working against you that addiction that's still driving you that thing that causes you to walk in insecurity and the thing that's causing you to jump from job to job to job the relationship to relationship that broken thing until you let him fix it I promise you, church will only make you more miserable. And ultimately, you're going to kill yourself, if you will, in dead religion. Here's the fourth and final thing that happened in this whole transition. And that is Zacchaeus then responds with gratitude and love. The fourth piece in this whole miraculous thing that happens in Zacchaeus' life. Where Jesus fixes him. And the moment Jesus begins to fix him... He responds with gratitude and love. Look at verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now. I ain't doing it later. Not one day here and now. I give away half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Can you imagine the people standing in line for the next couple weeks? You cheated me. You cheated me. 
and he's just writing checks. He's writing checks. Can you imagine? What, what, if, what, if, what if you had such an encounter with God that he fixed you so deeply that the love of, the loves of your life, the money, the whatever has been that love, Zacchaeus, that money, that wealth, what he says is, I will give half of it away. What if you sold your $300,000 house and you gave $150,000 to the poor and then you took the $150,000 that was left and anybody I've cheated, I'll write checks. Friend, who does that? The person who responds to being fixed supernaturally by the living God. I'm not telling you to go do that. What I'm telling you is the response to someone who God has touched the deep, dark places of our soul. The response is gratitude and love. And I don't need all this. Well, this is not my identity. I don't care about any of this. I just want Jesus. I just, I just, I thank you for fixing me. Oh my goodness, life has meaning and reason now. Oh, friend, I'll just go to church. Don't just listen to sermons by good preachers and stuff like that. Let Jesus touch those places inside of each and every one of us that no one else has been able to see, that, that's caused us to be the broken people that we are. Let him fix your brokenness. He can fix what's broken inside of you and me. In each one of these sessions, not only do I want to lay out the doctrine of how God works in miracles, in this one, today, that he can fix our brokenness. That's miraculous what he can do. Weeks to come, we'll see how miraculously what he can do in finances. Miraculously what he can do in, in, in relationships. But today that he can fix our brokenness. And in each one of these sessions, I want to give you personal testimony. I don't want to talk about just what he did back in the day. I want to talk about what he's doing now. I want you to see some real live moments. And I thought I would start this series with my own personal story, and Mimi and Pops, for our family story, I would imagine if you could find Adam McCain's elementary and junior high teachers right now, if you could find them and sit down with them and say, do you remember that kid, Adam McCain? And if they had the ability, they did not forget me. I promise you they know who I still remember me. And you were to say to them, do you know he's my pastor? I guarantee you, when you finish fanning them and getting them up off the ground and sitting them back in their chair, they would then, as they come back to consciousness, say, what did you just say to me? And you say, yeah, he's a pastor. He's a man of God. They would sit there, jaw dropped, and go, that's a miracle. Because what's impossible with man is possible with God. See, growing up, Mimi and I didn't have a whole lot. So I referenced that Uncle Bo for a reason, because I had made a vow in my heart as a little boy. I watched Mimi work so hard as a single mom just to try to, just so I could have shoes like the other kids at school. In the summers, in the little neighborhood that we lived in with my grandmother, there was a community pool. I think it was like 60 bucks for the summer for, for, for a membership. And summer after summer, we didn't have the money for that. And I'll never forget Mimi working tirelessly overtime for that one summer that I finally got to join the pool and be like the other kids in the neighborhood. And when the ice cream man would come, and, and she would dig around in her purse trying to find anything that maybe was left over, and there was never anything left over that maybe I could get an ice cream like that, like all the other kids. So when I would engage with my Uncle Bo, 
And he didn't worry about stuff like that. He had so much money. I made a vow in my heart, I'll never be poor. I'm going to be rich. And I'm going to tell you something. I went about life as a young man. I wasn't going to be a super athlete. I wasn't going to come out of, out of the hood on a scholarship athletically. I wasn't smart enough to get any kind of academic scholarship. So I'm going to have to hustle and wheel and deal. And it didn't matter to me if I hurt you, if I lied to you, if I manipulated you. If I had to use every ounce of my personality and giftings to get what I wanted, I was not going to be that poor little white kid ever again. And neither would my children or my family. I was broken. When I tell you, after becoming a Christian, and the preacher would talk about tithing, that was not a place that I had any kind of desire to go. It's my money. I worked hard for my money. Why am I going to give it to the preacher? He drives a nicer car than we do. There were broken things still in me, even though I had become a Christian, even though I loved God. And I want you to know that as I began to open up those private spots, those personal deep things in my life, Jesus began to fix me. All of a sudden, I'll never forget the moment. We hadn't been saved very long. We were full of the Spirit of the Lord. And uh, Mimi had one of those Sundays that she liked to do. And we were going to do something after church as a family. And so we went riding through the countryside. She either wanted to go to the zoo or the countryside as a family. Something like that. We're taking a ride. We came down one of these back roads out in the country. And some fella had put up a tent. And he was, he was having a revival. And so Mimi was like, let's pull in. So we pulled in. I'm telling you, it was a revival. It was his family on stage and us in the audience. That was the revival. And then he got to the offering point. And, I, and again, I'm talking about how Jesus can fix our brokenness. He got to the offering point and he said, now, y'all know it's hard to keep ministry going today. But if the Lord's touching you, if you just want to give, we need you to give today. And he had a little bucket down and had his little four-year-old little child sitting there with the bucket up front. Like, if that doesn't break your heart. It's like the, it's like the dogs in the cages commercials, you know, the SPC commercials. <laughs> Help those animals, you know. I mean, it's that kind of feel, tugging on your heart. And I'm sitting there, and I'm not going to give nothing. And I heard the Lord speak to me. He said, this is your moment to get free. This is your moment to get free. And I leaned over to my mom. I said, I'm going to give every bit of money out of my savings account. I'm 12 years old. I got my own savings account. And she said, what? I said, yeah. I said, but I don't have it here, so you got to write a check for it. And I would think it was like $100. $110.06 is probably exactly what it was. And she said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, the Lord told me. In that moment, when I brought that check up and I put it in that little bucket, something shifted. Something shifted. See, I could have never given my heart, my life, and my soul to you as a congregation because I would have been always looking at you on what I could have gotten from you. He had to fix that brokenness. Jamie and I could have never been missionaries like we've been in times past because I, I could have never lived in something nasty and that would have reminded me of my old ways of, of, of how I was before, before when I was a poor little kid living in the hood. I, I, I'm not, I, I couldn't have done it. But when he fixes you, the love and the gratitude that begins to pour through you to others is supernatural. What man cannot do, God can do. What's impossible with man is possible with God. You probably heard Pop's testimony a few times that he, before he came to Christ, he had a $200 a day cocaine habit. 
Do you know how much cocaine that is in the 80s? That's a lot of stuff up your nose. Pop was working multiple jobs. He was a rock and roll singer, very famous in our area. And the day he came to Christ and they water baptized him, he never wanted another drug. I, I, he's never smoked another cigarette, never drank another sip of alcohol. That is a miracle. He, he can fix us. I promise you, he can fix us. He can fix us. The first step in letting him fix us is to go looking for him. God, I need you. I need you, Jesus. The second step is when he says, come here, you say yes. And the third step that I see in Zacchaeus is opening up those places that you don't want anybody to see. The pieces that we don't want anybody to know about us. And being authentic with the Lord and say, Lord, have, have your way. And then as he begins to fix us and touch us, the natural response is to say, Jesus, you're so good. I'm so, do, you, do you know why we worship the way we worship? Do you know why we throw up our hands and sing and shout? Because the Bible says, who's been forgiven much? loveth much. The reason why Sean Bates and I are sitting on the front row worshiping and dancing and shouting, we don't care what you think. I am doing that because I know who I was. I know what he's done. I know how he's healed me. I know, he's, I know where I would be had it not been for the beautiful power of God at work in my life. I know who I am because of what he's done. And I would say this to you and me. I've got a chance here and now for each and every one of us to start retilling that ground of the supernatural in our life. And we got to let the Lord our God fix us. We've got to let him take what is impossible and make it possible. So there's a couple options that I have for you. The first option that I have for you to start with me on this fix-it miraculous journey, first and foremost is to die today at the end of service, after I pray over us, I've asked some of our pastors and leaders to come stand up here. They're going to have their mask on. And I'm going to ask you that if you need prayer, you should say, man, Pastor, there's some things I've been struggling with. I've, been, I've got, had so much anger in my heart. I've got such a struggle with this. Then come up here afterwards and let them pray with you. It'll be a private spot. We'll be dismissing at the time. And you can come up here and let them pray. He said, well, we hadn't done that in a few weeks. I know. I know. We need miracles right now. The second thing that I have lined up for you is this coming Friday. I've got an encounter for you. I've put some videos together teaching you about sin habits and the destructive power of, of generational curses that help you get your doctrine straight. You can watch them online, and then you can come be with us on Friday, and we'll lay hands on you. And the other thing your church has done so that you don't have to live in brokenness is we've developed this whole church around small group life. You say, well, yeah, you keep saying that. It just I'm tired of hearing it. Well, you, we're the wrong church then. Serious, because that's what we are. Because we've learned over the years that the only way for God to really, 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 really work in our life is as we're connected to other Christians. And as God is growing them, he's growing us. And sandpaper, they, they sand on us. And we sand on them. And we come together. And we're the family of God. And it's with that. It's because of my brothers and sisters in Christ that I even knew that I had dark spots. Because they would point it out. Hey, you know you got a blind spot there. No, I didn't know. Oh, thank you. Oh, my goodness. You're right. I have that. I need to. I need to change that. Thank you for the help in that. If you want to connect with small group life online with us, you can go to our website, and you'll see all the small groups listed out there. Also, you can go in our small group commons after service today and connect with us. But I promise you, what nothing else has been able to do, what sermons can't do, what therapists had not been able to do, what books have not been able to do, Jesus can do it. He can fix what's broken inside in each and every one of us. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe this could be the kind of church where men and women 
are no longer hiding their brokenness, but they're letting Jesus into that space and letting him heal them. Maybe, just maybe, this church could be the kind of church, we could be the kind of Christian, we could be the kind of Christians, we could be the kind of community of believers that each and every one of us, he's fixing it, and it's beautiful, and the response to that is such joy, and such like Zacchaeus, like, I don't even care about all this stuff that was so important, doesn't even matter, he fixed me, he healed me, and in that, I rejoice. Hey guys, wasn't that a great word today? You know, I'm so thankful that the word isn't limited to a Sunday morning at a certain time or the four walls of the church building, but it can go through whatever time you may be watching this, wherever venue you might be at. The word of God can minister to you no matter where you are. You know, if you're interested in partnering with what Church on the Hill is doing, not only locally, but globally, you see, I really want to invest with that, with Church on the Hill, in advancing kingdom business. And you can do so by partnering with us by sending a donation to P.O. Box 3815, Cedar Hill, Texas, 75106. Hey guys, we love you. We look forward to seeing you again.